Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Jesus heals a crippled woman on the Sabbath. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was saying, he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning. Uh, good morning, LLC. Um, my name is Doug. For those I haven't yet met, uh, I'm a pastor here at Lord's Love, and I'm really glad you're able to join us uh, on this uh, su Sunday morning. Um, today we are in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. And this message, we were supposed to start the new sermon series uh, this week uh, on um on, on the apologetic series in terms of making sense of God and the reasons for God, uh, the book written by T uh, Tim Keller, which our life groups are all be going through in the, in the weeks uh, to come. I think one of our groups already started it already. Uh, but uh, this message really has been on our heart. Um, for those that's been part of our community learning, I shared this as a devotion uh, one of the weeks, and it's really stuck with me uh, all those weeks. And I really feel like this is a word for us uh, in this season. So I'm kind of shifting um exercising a little bit of faith and sh shifting the plans a uh, week back uh, to follow God. Uh, and yeah, it's from Luke 13, 10 to 17. I'm titling the sermon, uh, Set Free uh, to Stand Up. And just imagine with me uh, the uh, the word that that um, that Emily just read for us, that it was a normal Sabbath day, normal Sabbath day, and you're, you're getting ready to go to church. This is pre-COVID times, all right? So you're getting ready to go to church and you're making your way to church. You grab your coffee and you grab your breakfast and you head to your car. You pull up to the church parking lot and you're like, what's going on? Is it free parking today or something? Like, you know, <laughs> like the parking lot is packed. The streets are packed. And you're like, oh man, did I miss something? The announcements again, because I wasn't paying attention at the beginning where they're handing out free things at church. Like what's going on? Like why, why are there so many people uh, at church? And, and on that day, the synagogue, uh, the church was filled uh, with people and you make your way through the crowd. And then you see what all the fuss is about because Jesus of Nazareth is there. Uh, Jesus himself, he's returned back to Galilee, which is where the synagogue is, back to his hometown, and he's preaching in his hometown, uh, in in his home synagogue, and you hear the crowd saying uh, these things through, 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 uh, around you, saying, where did this man get these things, like these teachings from? Others said, what's this wisdom that's been given to him, and what are these remarkable miracles that he's been performing? Yet another asked, because he's coming back home, isn't this the carpenter? Right? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, as we read in Mark chapter 6? But you're intrigued because, after all, Jesus and his words, his words 
go farther and faster than he physically did. So people heard about Jesus before they met Jesus. And this Jesus of Nazareth is now standing before you. And as he's preaching though, he stops. He stops and he stares and looks into the crowd and he's looking directly at someone and everyone's like, why did he stop talking? Is the internet connection bad? (laughs) What's going on? Uh, but he's out of everyone in the crowd, he's, he's looking and he points to someone. He points to a disabled woman and calls her out to come forward. And in, in today's text, in the middle of this chapter where Jesus is really giving a warning, if you read through the chapter, he talks about repenting and perishing, following the narrow road. And all of a sudden he pauses and, and, and we read the story of this disabled woman coming before Jesus and really ultimately getting healing from him. And today in this text, uh, amidst, amidst all the warnings, we see how Jesus unties the lies that's been going on in the life of these people. That Jesus really frees these people in order for them to stand. And the big idea for us this morning is that freedom comes when Jesus calls. That Jesus sets us free from the lies that we tell ourselves. That he, tells, he sets us free from the lies. And when Jesus comes and he calls us towards him, that's when freedom reigns. That's when freedom comes. That's when we experience new life in him and Jesus sets us free from the lies that we tell ourselves and and he unties the lies that's going on in our lives that's a bit of a tongue twister (laughs) Uh, but we we see the imagery of being untied three times Uh, the the Greek word means loosened Uh, we see three times in verses 13 15 and 16 where the term uh, the, the, the phrase set free we keep reading that time and time again and the truth of the matter is for us today in the 21st century we need to be set free as well that we need to be set free, even if you've called yourself a Christian for a long time. Because what kind of freedom are we talking about this morning? Are we talking about financial freedom, like Freedom 55? You know, I want to retire early. Uh, or wouldn't it be nice to be free from any responsibilities and obligations? I'm thinking of you students and maybe, you know, parents are busy and all of us busy, have a lot of things and obligations going on. Are we talking about that? We're talking about YouTube being ad-free, traffic-free when we drive around the city. What kind of free are we talking about, right? Like physically free. I want to. I want to be able to travel uh, right now. And maybe perhaps the famous uh, British band Queen uh, had it right when they wrote in 1984. I want to break free. I'm not going to sing it for you, okay? I want to break free. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. You're so self-satisfied. I don't need you. I got to break free. God knows. God knows I want to break free. Okay, that that's about a relationship, but I, I'm just kind of bringing that into the picture here. That we all want to break free. That we all have this sense for freedom. And this freedom this morning that we're talking about is freedom from lies. Not from anything that's outside, but internally that we tell ourselves that, that seek into us. We need to be free from the lies that come from our own thoughts. Lies that come from our own anxieties and our own worries we need to be set free from our own desires even, even what we think is best for us. Because what we desire doesn't necessarily mean that's aligned with who God is and, and what he thinks is best for us. And we read in a text here, right in the beginning, verse 10, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. So we go right into this text in this story here, we're not told why the woman was there. All right, we, we were assuming that she's there to worship. Uh, we don't exactly know whether she heard Jesus was there and she came to seek healing from him. 
Uh, we also don't see her trying to make her way through the crowd to get right up to Jesus, right? You know, grabbing his cloak or like really seeking healing. Like we don't read anything like that. But what is significant here is that you might see the years, number of years that she's been bound. And we talked about this in community learning class, uh, uh, the significance of 18, the, the number 18 signifies bondage, where in Israel and their time in in, in, in history, they've been capped in their uh, moments in history in the Old Testament where we read they've been captured and enslaved for 18 years, numerous times. So there's a sim symbol of being enslaved, of being captured. And we see here that it's attributed to, to, uh, uh, to a spirit. Uh, so we see here that it's demon oppression and not possession, that there's oppression over her. Uh, and meaning, it's why I'm not gonna have time to go into this, but meaning that, uh, that that not, not all medical conditions are spiritual, but it is possible that some of them are, all right? So that leaves room for us that that even though we are to seek physical healing, that we also ought to pray uh, for people, uh, that for God to free free them as well. And But we also know 18 years is a long time, so she would have tried to get help. Like, no doubt, like 18 years, she would have tried to get help, her family would have tried to get help, and none of it really worked. And not only that, but the text is clear here that she was bent over and could not straighten up. What, at all, what's the last two, two words there? At all, like at all, it was an impossible situation. Luke wants us to see how impossible this is, that she's been stuck and in bondage and captured in this position for a very long time. And she went about her day, every single day for 18 years, perhaps joyless, perhaps aimless, perhaps she's even feeling languished. As the article written by the New York Times, Adam Grant has been circulating around that she's feeling languished, this joyless, no direction. What's the point of this? Nothing I'm really, I'm not exactly depressed, but there's nothing I'm looking forward to as well. And she's just stuck in this position. But then she meets Jesus. She meets Jesus and notice where she is when she meets Jesus. Even this is her circumstance, even though this was her reality of being bound by 18 years, she's found in the synagogue. She's found in a synagogue on the Sabbath day. And we need to position ourselves to see God sometimes. To, to wait for him to speak, to wait for him to be there, for us to hear him and to see him. And I would ask myself this question as I read this text. If I were in her position for 18 long years suffering like this, would I still be going to church? I got to ask myself that real question this morning. Like, would I still be going to church? Would I still be found worshiping even when I'm stuck in this position? And we don't know if she was bitter or she was resentful. I'm sure at some point in her life during this, she would have experienced that. And she was would have been wrestled with that. But here's the truth, that if she didn't go to church that day, if she wasn't there that morning, she would have missed Jesus entirely. And what a shame that would have been. Because it was on that day that Jesus saw her. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you're set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So I've been saying how freedom comes when Jesus calls and here Jesus sees her and sees her and calls her forward. And one of the first lies I want to talk about this morning is that Jesus frees her from the lie that she's unseen. Often the lie that we tell ourselves is that we are unseen that we don't matter, that no one knows about us. And this plays out in two ways. Firstly, it plays out in either we work harder and we try to get noticed and we want people to know how hard we're working. Or the second way is that we fade into the background thinking we don't matter and we hide and think we're insignificant. 
So Jesus sees her and calls her specifically forward. She's been going in and out of the synagogue for 18 years, maybe, and people have stopped, perhaps asking her how she's doing even, because they're like, it's been 18 years. You know, well, what could have possibly changed? But here Jesus sees her and sets her free. Jesus first sees and then sets her free. That's really important. It sees her. And Jesus knows her need. Jesus knows what's best for her. Jesus says, I see your pain. I, I, I see who you are. I see your suffering. I see your hurt. Even more importantly, I see your heart and what you're thinking, you're feeling, all the emotions that's going on. And this caring from Jesus, it starts first by seeing. And I keep saying that because that's really important. We can't care for what we don't see. But Jesus first sees first and, and then cares for her and see how much Jesus cares for this woman before she even says a thing, before she even does anything. And for us, sometimes like, like this woman, we might feel lost in the crowd. Like we're just one person in the crowd. Does it really matter that I'm here or, or does this it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just one person and in, in, in the billions that's that's around the world. And maybe we've even caught in the loop of working for our own significance. We're caught up in this lie that we're unseen. But this morning, just like this woman here, just from the very beginning, we see that we are seen, that you are known, that you're not insignificant. And whatever pain you think you've been hiding away from God and thinking that no one else sees, God sees it all. He sees your languishing. He sees your pain. He sees your suffering and your hopelessness maybe and the questions and the doubts. Like he sees all of that. So don't underestimate the power of being seen here, both as we walk around the world as light, but also in the power that Jesus has. That simply from his seeing, he calls her forward and she takes this step forward. And when he calls her to take the step forward, what is it that, that, that he says to her? We read the text again. It says, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he puts his hands on her and then she straightens up and praises God. So we see the second, the first lie is that we are unseen, that we don't matter, that we're insignificant. But the second lie that we need to break free from is that Jesus frees her, frees us from the lie of being defined by our weaknesses. That often we think that is who we are. That's what I'm defined by. That is just what I am. And I'm stuck in this position. I'm held captive in this position. And, 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 but, but Jesus breaks her free from that, from that very real physical uh, weakness that she has. You see, this word for infirmity, it means weakness, or it could also be translated as limitations or hindrances. So Jesus sets her free from her weakness, from her limitations, from her hindrance, and says, you are set free. You're set free. And Jesus breaks her free by giving her a new identity from this moment and completes her story that she's been suffering for 18 years with this illness, but that's not how the story ends. That's not how the story ends. She's no longer the woman who couldn't stand up straight. She's the woman that couldn't stand up straight, but met God. And her story is changed forever since the moment that she met God. This is her new story. She, he reverses the lie. He unties the lie that she's defined by this weakness, defined by this hindrance, that she is that invalid, that she is that woman. And Jesus changes her story. And she sets, she's set free from what her body can or can't do. She's set free from all the ways people have been looking at her, all the looks of judgment and how they've come to define her. Because in words of Paul, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient and his power was made perfect in her weakness here. We see God's power made perfect 
and shine all the more. God turned her weakness into a miracle and God turned her hindrances into a moment of glory. It was in her limitations and in her darkest times that God's light shines all the brighter. And we see it right here, that she's not defined by her weakness, that it's actually made into a positive, into a light, into a moment where God reveals and shows himself. I have a, I have a little bit of a confession that I, I, I secretly sometimes get caught up in YouTube uh, down these rabbit holes of uh, watching medical phenomenon, uh, you know, weird diseases and weird things that happen around the world. And uh, it was a couple of nights ago, I got caught up watching uh, chiropractic adjustments. Uh, <laughs> you know, like they put the mic really close and they're like cracking the back and like, you know, like snapping it. Like, ooh, did he die? No, no, no. <laughs> That's normal. I'm like, all right, all right. Um, and, and I'm thinking about that and I'm imagining Jesus here, not doing a physical adjustment, but really doing a spiritual spine adjustment. Uh, a spiritual adjustment to this to this woman because whether she was healed physically or not spiritually she's been changed forever from meeting this jesus that here in this moment jesus spiritually aligns her that all of us have bumps and bruises that set our spiritual spine out of whack that these lights seep into us that we're defined by our weakness that we're unseen that we don't matter and and, and just like that like we walk with the limp but Jesus comes into us and we meet, meet, comes into our lives and we meet him. And he says, no, that's not who you are. That's not the end of the story. So for 18 years, she couldn't stand up. For 18 years, she couldn't look people in the eye. For 18 years, she was staring at the ground because of her weakness, her hindrance. But for the first time in a long time, she could see the sky. She could look up. At first time in a long time, she could look someone directly in the eye and who is the first person that she sees. She looks directly into the kind and gentle and loving eyes of Jesus. 18 years is a long time, but for this moment, this brief moment, time stops as she stares into the eyes of eternity because at that moment, nothing else matters. In that moment, when her eyes locked with Jesus, she had a purpose. She was known. She knew who she was and why she existed. And then she worships. And that's the appropriate action when we meet Jesus. You worship. And you raise him up for who he is because he is God. He is Lord. He is the way maker. He is the miracle maker. And that's the appropriate reaction when someone is set free. No one is set free and then sits there. When she's set free, she stands up straight and she worships. And as it says in Galatians 5.1, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery because we have been set free. That Jesus has come and you have met him. But some of you are wondering this morning, how much longer, Lord? How much longer, God? Maybe you feel like you're, you're defined by your infirmity and your weakness and your limitations. You're defined by that diagnosis. You're de defined by that circumstance in your, in, in your life. Or you think, I'm not energetic enough or smart enough or rich enough or good-looking enough, lovable enough, have enough friends or not good with people. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. So on and so forth. Like We have these, these markers that define us that actually end up hindering us from seeing Jesus and experiencing freedom. So the question for us is, what do you feel limited by? How are you letting your limitations define what you can or can't do instead of allowing God to define you?
and who you are. So we see Jesus sets this woman free from the lie of being unseen and also secondly the lie of thinking that she's hindered by that she's defined by these hindrances and these weaknesses of hers. But then we switch uh, switch characters in the story. It changes over to the religious leader. And we see that Jesus also sets him free. That Jesus frees us from the walls we built up that end up trapping us, actually. These walls and ideologies and these boxes that we have in our lives, that Jesus sets us free from that instead. You see, what do I mean by this? The woman may have physically been enslaved. And it's possible, too, though, that even though we physically don't have any ailments or illnesses, that our minds are enslaved, that our thinking is enslaved. And we see it from the thinking and the mind of this religious leader, that these walls have the ability of keeping him and keeping us from experiencing freedom. And we can get trapped in thinking how life needs to be a certain way instead of following God and his best way. And instead, it leads us down into a place of, of suffering. So we see the response of the, uh, of the woman uh, who worships after encountering uh, Jesus. And then there's the response of this religious leader uh, in verse 14. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, uh, because he didn't have enough guts to look Jesus in the eye, uh, looked into the crowd instead, you know, really talking to Jesus, but talking over. You know, uh, uh, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. So we see how the religious leader is indignant, uh, which is another word of saying angry, or to be angry because uh, of what uh, the person has been judged to be wrong. So to be angry against what is judged to be wrong. So in his eyes, he judged it to be wrong, so that's why he's angry. That's what the, the, the word means for us. And this word was also used when James and John asked to sit at the right hand, hand of Jesus. Do you remember that, that, that point, point? And then the other disciples were what? They were indignant. Uh, they were indignant at James and John because you shouldn't be asking these things. Like, what about us? Uh, this same Greek word was also used, uh, applied to Jesus only once. It's only once in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10, 14. You want to look it up later. This is when Jesus, uh, or when the kids are running to Jesus and the disciples rebuke the kids. And, and then Jesus was what indignant against the disciples. He was saying, no, that's not right. Like, let the kids come to me, right? You remember that? Like, let the kids come to me. Like, you know, the children, the, ch- the kingdom of God belongs to, to such as these. Like, like he was indignant. Um, and, and so what, what's my point here is that, that it matters what we choose to be infuriated about. And it all comes from our mindset. It all comes from what we see and what we judge to be right and wrong. Because if I think something is right and wrong, then I'm going to be indignant about it. But that's the issue. I don't see correctly. I don't see properly. It's possible to be infuriated about the wrong things. It's possible. Because look at this religious leader. He was indignant about the wrong thing. So for us this morning, we form these boxes of, of where we place God and our ideologies of what we think Christianity should be like and what we think church should be like and what we think relationships uh, with God should be like. But don't assume what you're angry about is what Jesus is angry about. But on the flip side, don't assume what you're not angry about is what Jesus isn't angry about either. It's both sides. The point is, do we see as Jesus sees? Is our, is our mindset free? Do we have the mind of Christ? Do we have uh, our understanding of who this Jesus is? Are we operating with our own heart? What I think is best. 
Because here, the, the, the religious leader, he was caught up with what he thought he knew and turned something that's meant for freedom, which is the Sabbath, into a burden. And by the way, he totally ignores the miracle. Like, he totally brushes over. You know, come you know, come back and get healed on the other six days. And the woman's probably like, I did. You know, <laughs> I did come back on the other six days and, and nothing happened. But here I met Jesus. That's the difference here. It's not about the day. It's about where Jesus is. And it's about the freedom that he gives. Because when Jesus comes into our lives, that's when freedom awaits. And that's where freedom is experienced. But Jesus answers him in verse 15, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day for what bound her? So Jesus leads this woman to freedom and to life. And to the religious leader, that's not proper. That's not right because he didn't do it at the right time. You see, we, what, what, I, what I believe we need to see here this morning is that it's dangerous to put God in a box. It's dangerous to put God in a box. And sometimes we get in trouble in life because it wasn't because God led us there. It's because of the ideas that, that we have in the box that we are carrying ourselves. We led ourselves there. And God's been saying to us, no, that's not how I operate. Like, stop putting me in this box. We get in trouble when we think we know what's best for our lives. But God's been saying, I know, I know best. I see the most clear, clearly. I know what's best for you. And I'm here to untie the lies that's happening in your lives. When, when I come into your life, that's the freedom you've been wanting to experience. And maybe for us this morning, we're trapped by how things used to be. And you keep going back to a moment in time, you're like, that's how God is because at that moment in time, that's how God operated. And you're putting God in a box in that way. Or we get can get in trouble when, we get, when, when we're stuck in uh, certain thoughts of how we think certain things should be like, how the church should be like, how ministry should be like, how uh, my marriage should be like, how parenting should be like instead of what God says it should be like. We use our own personal experiences instead of following God and what He says and we get stuck in these kind of thinking and these boxes that we've made and when we get stuck in these frameworks of how we think the world or how God should work we end up living limiting God and when we end up limit, limiting God it isn't God who suffers it's us like we're the ones that are missing out we're the ones that's missing out like imagine that day like I I don't know I would have loved to be there at church that day when Jesus performed this miracle but because of the boxes I was formed in this religious leader's mind, he totally missed out. He missed out on the awe and the wonder of seeing eternity at work here, the Alpha and Omega before him and missing the point entirely. And I wouldn't want that for us. And some of us, some of us need to be set free from these boxes that we have placed Jesus in. And today, Jesus is saying, come on. Maybe just like this religious leader, maybe just like that woman there. Come on, it's time to get up. It's time to stand up straight again. Church, come on. I'm here to do an alignment. Don't resist it. Like I'm here to do an alignment. I'm here. Trust me because you're in the creator's hands. I'm, you're in the hands of the healer. You're in the hands of the father. You're in the hands of the one that knows you best. Come on, it's time to have life. It's time to have power. It's time to experience this freedom. And some of you are in bondage of how... The words of others, maybe just said yesterday to you or this morning or maybe a long time ago, the certain words, you're still held captive by that. 
And Jesus is saying, that's not who you are. You're not defined by that experience. You're not defined by what that person said. You're defined by who I say and what I am doing in your life. Are you thinking how your career defines you and you're stuck in this, like chasing this corporate ladder and you're tired and you're wondering when is this going to end? And Jesus is saying the same. Don't follow that lie. I am the one for you. There is freedom in me and in nothing else. Maybe you need to be set free from a past mistake that's still haunting you today. Maybe you need to be set free from a past hurt and painful moment in your life that you still haven't yet let go. Are you still carrying that burden when Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So come, let me carry it for you because it's not meant for you to carry. And you're wrestling with that shame and that guilt of that past mistake and the mistakes you're currently making. But Jesus is like, I'm going to set you free from that. I'm going to let you walk freely. Not because those moments didn't matter, but because I can and I'm able to be sufficient for you. And some of you are enslaved to thinking your way of thinking is the only right way of thinking. The question is, how has that been working for you? Has that been leading to a place of life and to thriving in the peace that you've been looking for? And some of us have put God in a box and we think he only operates a certain way, but God is saying this morning, I may surprise you. I may surprise you with the power that I have. So if you're feeling tired this morning as I come to the end, and if you want to experience more freedom in Christ today, you just got to say yes to him. Be like, God, this is what I want. You know my tiredness. You know my heart. You know what it is I'm going through. You know the lies that are bounding me, and I want to be set free from them. I want to be set free from that. I want to walk freely. I want to have purpose every day. I want to see you and I want to see goodness in everything that I that I go through, even in the bad times, that even in the rocky times, I see you and you are my rock and you're my foundation upon which nothing else can shake me away from. I want to hold on to you. And if that's you this morning, I have a prayer here uh, for us that is written by Todd Loader, who's a Methodist uh, uh, pastor in his book Realism of Grace and he writes a whole bunch of prayers down for us and if you want this piece this morning I want to encourage you to read along with me uh, this prayer uh, and I'll end it there at the end Holy One there's something I wanted to tell you but there have been errands to run bills to pay arrangements to make meetings to attend friends to entertain washing to do and I forget what it is I wanted to say to you and mostly I forget what I'm about or why oh God don't forget me please for the sake of Jesus Christ oh father in heaven perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you what I wanted to ask is forgive me heal me increase my courage please Renew in me a little of love and faith and a sense of confidence and a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real and I mattered and everyone was sister and brother. What I wanted to ask in my blundering way is don't give up on me. Don't become too sad about me, but laugh with me and try again with me and I will with you too. Amen. Thank you.